There's two things that I think we really focus on that if you just did these two things, you don't need us. Number one, create an environment where you get away together or have some kind of intentional connection, whether that's group call, whether that's a trip we take, whatever it is. And then number two, it's community. We need community to learn from other couples mm -hmm. about relationships and parenting and advice. And so if you could do those two things and be consistent with it, it's like just creating intention around how do we become better as a couple if there's one thing, it's just creating the vision of what you want that life to really look like. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today's guests are Mike and Kara Ayala. Mike is, of course, the host of the Investing for Freedom podcast, an incredible entrepreneur, uh, a friend of mine. I love this guy, the Mike Ayala, if you're looking for him on Instagram. Uh, and they together also uh, started Next Level Couples, an amazing couples mastermind that we'll dive in today as well. So let's get it started. Welcome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for coming in. Excited yeah. to be here. Appreciate it. I want to hear your backstory. I don't know how you guys met. I know a lot about you and your backstory, <laughs> but how did you two meet? How did we meet? You, you start it. I'll let her start you, it. You guys, you're what, 44? Yes. 44. So you're young, but you've been together like, what, 63 years? Yeah, exactly. Right? Something like that. 64. 64 <laughs> years. Yeah. <laughs> jump, jump in. I, I, there, there's, this, there's this thing where I think we met, and then she's like, we actually met sooner than that. So I'm going to let her tell it. Wow. Well, I, we didn't actually meet. We, so I don't even think we need to go into that part. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is interesting. So you never met, but you're here. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't actually meet. Happened. Yeah, that's strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I told you to lead. That's yeah, Mike, what. come on. Lead. <laughs> you lead. So the, lead here's your how, story. Here's, your how, story. here's, how, here's how I remember Your this. version. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually dating, um, I was dating a friend of hers. And, and again, I don't know that we actually met at this point in time, but I was dating a friend of hers. And I, I, I saw my friend that, or I, I saw my girlfriend that I was dating, like talking to her. And I just thought she was like, super hot cute i'm just like really drawn to this girl and and i she was wearing this track like hoodie and it said sprite on the back and so i thought her last name was sprite because you know you always put your that was just her nickname and so i'm telling my girlfriend one day i'm like hey who's that sprite girl like introduce me like <laughs> i didn't say that like that but um so finally we met and then i realized that you know her name was carol lislow it wasn't sprite and, <laughs> Um, so that was kind of like what my brain is anchored on. Dude, and she had this cute little butt that I just like, I fell in love with her butt long before. You I mean felt, has. Ha oh, yeah, dude, right? It's okay, gotten, come on now. It's gotten better. There you it's go. actually gotten better. Has. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I was glad you said that because if you were locked on that, then you're almost like in like a weird old man creepy thing. If like only then was the butt you liked yeah. at this age. Totally. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, that would be really creepy. First off, before you tell your version, why Sprite? So I just had a track coach who called me Sprite. I guess it was some kind of, I don't know. They have like a soda track fetish? thing. I don't really know. I don't, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of confused of why I had Spritey. that as well. Like, she's bubbly. Oh. <laughs> no, I think it was like some kind of like Greek goddess or something that was like a runner. I don't really know, yeah, to be honest. But so my track coach just called me that. Yeah. Um, and that was what was on my sweatshirt. And it's interesting because his the girlfriend that he had was my friend. So it kind of seems like, oh, what did you do? Go in there. But we didn't really, we didn't start dating till after they were broken up. And um, there was no like weird feelings between that. Cause that is like a thing in high school. Like sure. you don't, you don't date each other's like boyfriends, right? <laughs> yeah. What, what, uh, do you still friends with her or no? Um, no, I haven't talked to her in, in years. She was, was more this... of an acquaintance. Okay. Okay. This wasn't yeah. the reason why, like you said, like no. later on or anything like that. How, no. Did you break up so that you could pursue? 
Uh, I don't even remember why we broke up. I ended up dating another girl, I think, for a while, and yeah. she was she was a nut job, and and then uh, yeah, then we eventually. I think I called her during the summer because she like signed my my yearbook and hey put my number in his his yearbook <laughs> yeah. and he called me. So this is like what seventeen, eighteen years old. Oh, I think I was probably fifteen. Yeah, I was sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. Wow. So you guys have from that point on. Yeah, you've been together. Well, well, no, 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 no. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> we dated. We had we had a very rocky um, relationship. I think we dated in high school, and then he had. I mean, do, how far, far do you want to go into our story? <laughs> oh, I know he had some demons. I, you know, he he went through some turbulence. I was going to ask you how you dealt with that. Yeah, I, I thought you guys were together through everything, but no, go for it. No, yeah. So we dated in high school, and then he gra- was graduating, and just kind of, you know, we we both partied in high school, but I was not into any kind of hard drugs or anything like, or drugs really at all. Um, I would drink occasionally. Um, and he kind of went down a different path and started doing meth and dealing drugs and doing crazy stuff. And we broke up during that season and really didn't talk to each other for a a year or two. Yeah. Um, It's funny too, because I think sometimes when, you know, you and I are sitting together at an event and I'm telling you about meth and drug dealing and guns. And I feel like a, I feel like a fraud. I feel like an imposter. I'm like, I feel like I'm telling a story that is like a movie line because it doesn't feel real. Right. But it's always when, when she's telling it, it makes like, it's real. Like this actually happened. Yeah. Just a different version of who. I can see that. I can, I can, I mean, I've never been in that situation with those particular vices or whatever, but But I can. I had him with Stegi here yesterday, and he went through his whole bank robbery thing. I don't know if you've gone yeah. in depth. But we yeah. went. We went all the way through it, and it's like, man, I could see. I could see just like how, like you said, it sounds like a movie, but it just, you know, this thing leads to that thing, leads to this thing, and it's just, it's just kind of day to day life. So yeah, yeah. Well, one of one of my mentors always says, um, good people don't do bad things. Uh, good people in bad situations do bad things. Great point. And so when you look backwards, it's like. You kind of see how, um, yeah. You kind of see how you just kind of got off, uh, got off track there. So anyway, did you, did you, uh, was there like, how did this reignite? Like when once he cleaned up, you were open to it. You were always kind of there, always kind of wanted to maybe be in his life, but not until he cleaned himself out. Like what, what did that look like? Um, I think I kind of just let him go for a little bit, but then um, I'm trying to think what year it was. I was, I think I was a senior or junior. I was a junior in high school, and I had kind of. I'd kind of got to a point in my life where I didn't want to party anymore. I just, it wasn't fulfilling me and I was mm. feeling very empty. So I kind of had cleaned up my own life. You know, it wasn't like his, but I had cleaned up my own life. And I remember we lived in a small town. So everybody is always asked, like, what were you doing? I, I was reading the newspaper and in our town, you read who got arrested. Mm. And I read that he got arrested. And at that point, I just, my heart like broke for him because I knew And I think that that's kind of a sign of like, you know, he was always an entrepreneur and I knew his heart and I knew the potential that he had. And so I wrote him, I wrote him a letter when he was in jail and kind of just told him that there's, there's better options and that he, there's other things for him, told him about Jesus and sent me a Bible Bible. and I just, I, I just wanted him to know that when he got out of jail, he had support because I knew that, you know, when coming out of jail, it was going to be a transition period. So I really just, I didn't really have any intentions of being with him. I just wanted to be more of a friend and support him because I saw, I knew his potential. You know, we had spent years talking on the phone till like four in the morning, talking about goals and, and dreams. And I think that that's really what has been a glue for us is always dreaming really big together. So I knew that there was potential in him and I knew he just was on the wrong path. So that was really my heart in that, in that point. Did that, did that, go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say, and I think there's an important lesson, especially knowing, you know, who your audience is. Um, I was, I was at my end, like, and by the way, that was May 9th, 1997 when I went into jail. Um, I I was just done. And this letter that she wrote me and and I'll kind of compound a little further in there, she said, Hey, by the way, my parents, um, I wish we still had that letter. I do. Oh, cool. Um, hopefully wish, this, wish granted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, my parents said, if you need anything, when you get out, like they're here to help you, they're here to support. And I'm just like reading this letter, Jamie. And I'm like, why, like, why in the world would these people like want to help me? I mean, her too, but like her parents and the lesson I think, and this is why I wanted to point this out because I think a lot of, you know, us in GoBundance and in the different worlds that we're in, you know, we might be having children or brothers or friends or whatever that are, you know, in drug situations or they found themselves in a bad way. And really until I was at a point where I was ready for help, like nobody could help me, but getting out of jail with a letter like that, um, you know, the support that followed up, which we can go into that if you want to, but getting out of jail, having that support community when I was ready is the key to everything. And there's nothing you can do for somebody when they're, you know, going down a path, they're lost, they don't want help. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for like, as a dad of, of young adults, like if one of my kids was in those scenarios and this is, we actually have some friends that they're, yeah. you know, their, their kids are just lost and it's so hard watching that. And it's so hard for them, um, going through it. But like one of our great friends right now is finally at the point where they're like, there's just nothing we can do. And I have other children that we need to focus on. And we've put like 90% of our attention on this one. Um, and there's just nothing we can do to help them. And so I was at a point where I was ready for help when I got out and then having that community to surround me is super important. But until I'm ready, there's nobody that can do anything for me. Were you cynical when you got that with the reaction to like, why, why am I getting this person supporting me? Or were you inspired or I was humbled? Yeah. Both, um, inspired, humbled, um, not cynical, But leading up to going to jail, I was already like lost. Like I'd had so many situations where I knew I was ready for a change, but I just didn't know how to get there. And that's why I think it's important to have community when you're ready. How do you prevent the front? So it feels very hopeless when you say that, you know, like when, cause I, you know, I have young kids and my biggest worry and I don't want to manifest this. So I, I, I I don't want to, you know, put it out in the universe. It's going to happen. My biggest worry is that one of them or both of them, you know, get lost. I, I have sisters that have gone down paths, right? So you know, when you think about what you, you, you were ready at a certain point, but you went through what you went through, your friend with the kid, their, their kid is going through what they're going through. Can you extract anything from your experience in these other couples? We'll talk about, you know, the, the mastermind next level. We'll talk about all of that. Um, but can you extract anything from your experience, from what your friends are going through with their kids experience or other people, other situations like this, where you say, okay, yeah, once they're there, it's a great point. Like, until they're ready, there's really not much you can do other than just love them, right? But on the front end, on the bottom, on the, you know, at the six-year-old, eight-year-old, ten-year-old, whatever it is, yeah. w- what have you learned or what do you think could have been different for you had sure. X been in place? Or is that even, is it just, it's just the journey, just, you know, that's the way it's going to go. No, I, I think there's a couple things. And I want to preface this by saying that I do believe that, you know, there's hormonal imbalances, there's chemical imbalances, there's there's true, true Um, you know, we, we lost a a dear friend that had, um, traumatic brain injury that, um, I think took him down a path that, um, you know, just couldn't recover from. So I do think that there's extenuating circumstances that I didn't have that need to be dealt with, you know, medically, professionally, et cetera. So I want to batch those and put them on the side. I want to say that first, because that was not my case. Um, 
I grew up with an absent father, drug addict, alcoholic, in and out of my life. My mom was a gem, um, but you know she divorced him when I was eight. Um, but then you know I lived with my grandparents for a few years. When I when I kind of start really, GoBundance has been huge part of this for me. The reason why I joined GoBundance is because I didn't know how to have authentic relationships with men. Mm. And that might sound crazy because no, like I just joined GoBundance in like 2018. So this is not like, so somebody that meets me today and hears that and they're like, well, how long ago was that? Like 25 years? No, that was like four years four ago. Years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had this, like I was broken from an early, like an early age and, and really just kind of connecting those dots backwards. And again, my mom's a gem. Um, but even when she divorced my dad, like for two or three years, I don't know the exact time frame, but I didn't live with her for a while. She got remarried. My stepdad's awesome. Um, but I was living with my grandma and I woke up one day and I was like, just again, 2017. And I'm like, all the strong, impactful relationships in my life have been women. women. Yeah. I don't know how to have, I mean, I didn't know how to have authentic, strong male relationships. And so I think there's some, not to go down a rabbit hole on that, but I think there's some fabric in my life that was just missing. I didn't have a guide. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a leader. And so if there's any hope for the audience, it's like, I think the number one thing that we can do, which is that what I think you were getting to is just love our kids hard. Hmm. Just be, you know, their biggest fan, like show up for them in life. And, you know, I used to say the jury's still out. Like I would say this two or three years ago, like the jury's still out on our kids and the way we parented. But I actually told Carrot one day, I said, I'm going to stop saying that because like our kids are young adults now. They're yeah. 22, 21 and 19 and they're awesome. And they love being with us and they're good humans and they're, and we don't really care. We don't have an outcome for them. I don't care what they want to be when they grow up. And so I think just loving them hard, what I was missing in my life was a father figure, a family unit. And again, even though my mom was, you know, doing the best she could, um, and she was present in my life for the most part. Um, she just didn't know either. And, you know, when I look at my dad, even there's this trend history, he didn't have a dad. And, and so he wasn't a dad to me. And I was like, this is one thing that Karen and I talked about. And she brought this up earlier. Like when we think about vision and, and shaping the future, like we always said, like, we're going to be present. We're going to have dinners together. We're going to travel together. Like this is what the life of freedom really led us to. And so to answer your question directly, I think it's, what can we do again, set the, you know, the issues aside, sure. just, just, just love them. Love That's, them hard. I, I love that. And I agree with it. I'm curious from your perspective, because I, I'm, I, I would guess like being a GoBundance, like the dynamic in most households, if you're like the GoBundance guy, the, the wife of the GoBundance guy, that kind of thing is very similar. Like go, 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 go. Don't, I, I know you go, 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 go. Shit'll break along the way. That's okay. Somebody else will fix it, but I'm just going to keep going. Wow. That broke fucking keep going. Right. Him. And then I'm assuming it's like, okay, I'm, let me sweep this up. Let me sweep this up <laughs> on the back end, right? That's my wife, at least I feel like uh, uh, in our relationship. So I I'm projecting here, but for me, um, I'm there. I love my kids. You know, I'm supporting them. I'm doing all the things you're saying, but I also make so many mistakes because I'm a, I'm a my dad's in me in some ways, right? Like, so, you know, it's like law, law is laid down. Don't cross it. Right. Like that kind of shit. Just stupid. And she, my wife will say, like, you just default to no. Mm. Like, yeah, well, I, mm. it's, it's no. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm, no. Why no? I don't know. Because it's no. Right. So yeah. I'm curious for you observing this guy going along the way. Cause, I, you know, what you said is amazing. But I, I feel like, you know, for, for me or maybe somebody listening, it might feel like, wow, that's like the infallible dad. Like, oh, he's always there. And hey, kids, it's dad. But I'm assuming, and you tell me if I'm wrong. That he probably along the way, especially at a young, as a young dad, had those moments where he was Mr. No or bah, bah, you know, like a little bit, maybe too stern or harsh. What, what's your observation along the way? Like what mistakes might he have made yeah. from your perspective? Yeah. And 
And how did you overcome those together so that your kids weren't, you know, traumatized by these mistakes? Yeah. I, th- I mean, actually, it's kind of the opposite. I was the no. You're the no. <laughs> I was well, the no. I, and I had assumption to, is out at the window. <laughs> I had to learn. I think the biggest thing, like just speaking on this, is making sure we're dealing with our own issues. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, my, you see your dad and yourself. And I think that's the biggest thing is as parents... Our job is to take care of ourselves and do our own inner work to heal our own traumas so that we can be those better parents and so that we can show up and really just love and support our kids and what they're doing and what their goals are. And I'm thinking about like, they're not ours. And I think that that's a really hard thing for us as parents. We want to take ownership of them, but really they're just gifted to us for a couple of years for us to kind of guide them and be bumpers for them. Mm. And I think it's really easy. There's a lot of fear in parents, I think. I see a lot of fear in moms, dads of making the wrong mistakes. And and I, I agree with you. Like there's so many things that I've learned more recently that I wish I could go back and change, but I can't. And I'm sure our parents would feel the same. So I think as we're parenting, just always being that person that's humble and, hey, I made a mistake. I should have taught you this. You know, at this stage in in my kids' lives, I wish I would have taught them how to handle emotions better. Mm. You know, if they were, we have one son that would just get so angry and I'd be like, you have an anger problem. I'd make him go to his room Mm. instead of being like, oh, actually, this this is an emotion. You just need to release it, like maybe get him a boxing thing in the gym, tell him to go take it out on that, tell him to go into his room and scream into a pillow. Like it's okay to have those emotions. So now I have to go to him and be like, Hey, I did that wrong. I taught you that wrong because I wasn't taught that, Mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and definitely we made mistakes and there was definitely seasons where maybe he was working a lot and we'd have to reel in, you know, those conversations where you're like, okay, like, I think we've gotten off track. And I think that's the most important thing when you are leading families and in a relationship is we've gotten off track of what our goals are because we're such ambitious people, regardless if it's a career or your home life, whatever that is, staying on, on mission. Gotcha. Hopefully but I made that. You did, I 100%. That. But I am definitely the no. I, well, I want to flip no the person. question. <laughs> I want to flip the question then from your perspective. What did you see in yourself and her? You know, I, I don't know, just kind of give a give an observation over all of your... Uh, of her parenting the kids and where, where you may have had conflict with that or concerns with that. I, I want to say this first. I think constant check-in points are really important. Between you yes. or everyone? Between us. The kids too. Between you. Yeah. Got it. Um, and obviously between the kids no, but as well. But I like um, that. Yeah. You know, like we literally had dinner, I mean, almost every night together. It was like a thing for us. Um, kids, sports, I, I get all that. And, but like we always sat down and so those are the family check-in points. Right. But I think for us, I think if there's one thing that like, just have these little micro communication points, cause I think what happens and this happens in our businesses, this happens with our leadership teams that happens in our, our family. Um, we go for a month or two without little course corrections or just little statements. And sometimes we don't have the energy for it. Sure. Like, I don't want to say what Cause I don't want to, you know, this to turn into a three hour conversation. Well, maybe it doesn't have to, mm. if you're aligned, maybe it can be a 30 second check-in and like, Hey, maybe not right now is not the time to talk about this, but I just observed this. And so I want to just say, first and foremost, I think the little check-in points are super valuable and just having that open communication. Um, one thing that, you know, just thinking this through the yes, parent, no parent, um, we actually had a, like a, a moment that kind of defined this on that checkout, like check-in point. Our daughter had um, a friend sleep over on a Friday night. And if I get any of this wrong, just tell me. <laughs> Give me timeline quick. Age is... She's probably nine? Yeah, eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So our daughter has a sleepover. She's the youngest. It's Friday, 
friend sleeps over Saturday noon. I don't know what time it was. She's like, Hey, can Kimmy stay the night again? And Kara says, no. And I'm just watching this from afar. You know, that's one thing we were always aligned. Like we didn't argue in front of the kids, like uh, have debates about parenting. Um, super connected little check-in points. Mm. Kara says, no, I'm watching this. Kane's like, why not? Because I said, well, why? Because I said, go away. Caton's like, fine. Um, so, you know, when Caton's gone, I said, are, are we doing something tonight? Kara's like, no. I'm like, well, why can't she have a sleepover? And Kara's like, because she already had it. She's already had a sleepover last night. And I'm like, I feel you. I'm like, well, okay. But if, if she can't have friends over, then we better do something because otherwise they're just going to be in their room. And you said no for no reason. And, and you want to jump in? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, that's the way I was raised, right? Like, I could do one thing in a week. Yeah. And so I just, I was raised that way. I grew up in a pretty strict household. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be a little more lenient, but that still was, like, in me. And not that they get to just have sleepovers all the time, but it was a moment for me to be like, oh, actually, there's not a reason behind this. I'm just saying it because that's what I was taught. I'm just modeling what I was taught when there's no reason behind it. Yeah. Um, and I think from that point, you know, we became, how can we say yes as much as possible? Yeah. Not, you know, to harm them, nothing that's going to, of course we're going to say no, but we did, we started saying yes so much. And I remember our kids asking for things and their friends would, and I would say no, if I was like, no. And I remember their friends being like, ask again. And they'd be like, no, she said no, <laughs> because they knew sure. I usually said yes. So when I said no, it oh, was no like, kidding. Wow. it's a no, because they knew that I most of the time said yes. Is that a pivot point after this, after this? Yes. So your older two were how old around this time? So eight was the youngest? Yes, so probably 10, 10 12. and 12. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, no, I, the reason I asked that is, is, um, and this is honestly for me, it's like, you know, God, what have I done to my eight and five-year-old, almost eight, almost five-year-old, right? Like, and is it irreparable? Is it gone? Mm. But it's funny that from the age of 12 to whatever, uh, for the oldest one, um, there became a reputation of you being a yes person. And mm -hmm. if you said no, it was for them like, well, she always says yes. So if it's no, it's no. There's like no questioning it. So it, it's like it's never too late. Never. Never. Right. I mean, there's so many things <laughs> that if we could go back and I think, you know, our oldest probably got the worst of yeah. of us as parents because yeah. he was our, our first well, one, right? So many things you can go back. What, what are some of the things Does that jump to mind? Doesn't have to mean Well, I think, you know, we were really hard on our oldest with school. Because, you know, he, he didn't get, he wasn't interested in school and he loves to learn and seeing him today and the way he like dives into things and loves to learn. But I was so ingrained in like the school system. And so he would be grounded for months and months because he wouldn't get these grades that I approved of. Yeah. And if I could rewind, I probably would have redirected, but I didn't have that knowledge then. Right. Yeah. I didn't have the resources. Um, I didn't have the schooling. I didn't have well, mentors around me. 24? How old were you when you had your friend? You were young. I was 20 when I had him. Jeez. So yeah, pretty young. Yeah. But, you know, I think today if I would do that differently, I wouldn't be as strict with that. And I would have redirected his learning because I think for a lot of years he thought he just wasn't smart yeah. because of what the school system kind of teaches them. You know, that if they don't get these certain grades or they're not interested in what the school is teaching them. So that's one instance that I wish I could rewind. Yeah. And I think the pendulum is what we have to watch out for, you know, um, and you see this all the time with entrepreneurs, business owners, like we didn't get good grades. We didn't go to college. We, 
so many entrepreneurs don't want their kids to be entrepreneurs mm -hmm. because they, you know, it's hard. We were, I mean, on the way here, I was, I had a 45 minute conversation with a, a fellow GoBundance member. That's just, it's hard. And so then we, you know, kind of, if we don't intentionally break out of these molds that we're ingrained in, even if we're not cognizant of it, we naturally, again, subconsciously, the pendulum swings for us. And so, you know, whether it's grades or college or, you know, get a, I don't fall into that category. And we intentionally didn't put any um, expectations on our kids when it came to college or in fact, if anything, every once in a while I get concerned about, did I not put enough emphasis on, you know, potentially maybe college because, you know, we always said, look, if you want to go to college, like great, sure, but sure. our pendulum swung the other way. And so I think it's just watch, like trying to stay in the middle and just be fair and balanced. And, and I think as we're dealing with our shit, mm. that's really the, you know, the reason why I could either be a bad dad or a good dad had everything to do with my dad or lack thereof. Yeah. And I could have went the opposite way, but I was very cognizant of what I didn't have and who I didn't want to be. And Kara and I, when we were in high school, like this was old landline phones, but we'd be on the phone until like on school nights mm -hmm. till like one, two, three o'clock in the morning. Every once in a while you'd hear a mom like jump on the phone and be like, <laughs> get off the phone. Like, um, but we, like, we talk about like our future together yeah. when we were in high school. So we've always been kind of visionaries. And I think, I think pausing and really we spend so much time designing ourselves as business owners, entrepreneurs, investors, we need to spend more time designing ourselves as a husband and a wife mm. and as a father and as a mother. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we went to a one thing goal setting retreat one time and they really spent time, you know, what are the key roles in your life? And I don't think we spend enough time with that. We spend eight to 10 hours a day visioning what the future Jamie looks like when it comes to like an investor, a business owner, a capital raiser, but we don't spend enough time just really those little connection points and envisioning around the family and who do I want to be as a husband and who do I want to be as a father? And I think that's one thing that I knew exactly what I didn't have in my life. And even though I couldn't put my hand on it, I knew what I didn't want to be. I love that, man. It's so funny. Like right now, I'm I'm actually very proud of myself in this regard. So my um my oldest, who's again going to be eight, is in a uh, singing in the rain play, and it was supposed to be on March 26th, Sunday at 9 a.m. Uh, Dominican, who knows why? But Sunday morning at 9 a.m. is this play, um, and I'm like cool. And then all of a sudden, they push it to this Sunday, April 23rd at 9 a.m. Now I'm here in Austin to do an event, my own event that. I leave April 23rd at like seven. There's no way I'm going to be back in time. So was the second they moved it, I went to the school and raised hell and all that shit. That did nothing. So um, it felt, felt good for a minute, but it did nothing. But I, I ended up making a decision. I'm flying back Saturday. I'm missing the last day of my event. Now, I, I wouldn't have done that a year ago. Mm. Mm. You know, it would have been like, hey, I, you know, my role is provider. Mm. And this is part of my business. This is part of what I do. I need to be there. Um but by, by, I remember I said, I even tried to test it with my son. I, I said to him, um, Hey bud, um, how would it be if I, if it was, if mommy recorded it and you go, Oh, you mean like on FaceTime until you get there? I'm like, uh, yeah, he, he wants me there. Right. Mm -hmm. So I moved the flight up and I'm, I'm flying back Saturday. But to your point, like that for me was a, a bit of a moment for me, a mark to say, you know, identity is dad mm -hmm. first, mm -hmm. like present dad, not yeah. dad provides money. Your dad provides, you know, like the housing, like leave me alone. Everything you have is from me. So, yeah. you know, leave me alone and do your thing. So it's a moment where I'm identifying as a parent, taking action on that. Mm -hmm. So proud dad moment, I guess for me, we'll I see. Love that. We'll I see. love that so much because you're defining who you are to him yeah. already. And so he's going to know he, that you will always be there. 
Yeah. You will always be there. And I think that that just, it just reinforces that friendship. And I think we're made to be friends with our, I mean, not like friends as, as they're growing up, you know, that whole friends parenting thing. But like what we're experiencing now with our kids and their ages, they like want to hang out with us. Our oldest, he comes, him and his fiance, they live here. They come every weekend with their suitcase and their dog and spend the entire weekend with us. Yeah. They want to hang out with us. And I think that's what that's doing is it's setting up a place where your kids want to be with you. Did that go away for a little while? What, did you, like you guys are, uh, you know, again, there's, there's not, not, not perfect. I know, but a lot of intentionality around what you are as parents, the, that example you talked about from eight on, from your daughter's eight on, your oldest son's 12 on, um, being a yes person as opposed to no all that, right? Like, so, but did they go away still? from 12 to 18 or whatever? Like, were you, were you like, mom, dad, leave me alone. You're oh, so yeah. uncool. Did you still have that? Or were you oh, yeah. your parents still throughout? <laughs> no, I think definitely there were seasons where they wanted to be with their their friends more than they wanted to be with us. And And when they leave the house, there's a period of time, I feel like a year or two, where they're like, for our boys anyways, that hasn't happened with our daughter, but our boys were definitely turn 18, I'm out of here. Like, want to go do my thing. And I think not taking that personally, too, as, as mature as a parent to let them go explore that. And they always come back. Yeah. <laughs> they always come back to that friendship with you, too. But allowing them to have that freedom to be with their friends and that it's OK that their friends are more of a priority than you because it's their age. Right. It's normal. It would maybe be weird if they didn't want to hang out with their friends. I don't know. Um, but definitely there were seasons where they wanted to hang out with their friends more than us. And maybe sometimes still. Yeah. And I, I remember, you know, one thing going to Kara's house when I was in high school, like her mom was there, mm. like you could feel the family in the house and I didn't have that. And I think there's a powerful lesson, you know, as our kids want their space, um, it's the, it's the adolescent years and not to go down a rabbit hole, but like, you know, if you look at the 13 year old, 14, 15 year old, like, you know, 300 years ago, that was a totally different yeah. 12 mm -hmm. to 15 year old than what we are today. And, yeah. but they're still dealing with those, you know, the, that self and that growth period and trying to find themselves and whether, whether we become adults now at 20 to 25 or, you know, whether it used to be 12 to 15, like that's a thing that's like in us. Mm -hmm. The thing that I really wanted to say is like, I think that feeling that I had at Kara's house, like there's a family unit here that I didn't have. Even if our kids want that period of time where they're, you know, exploring and they just need to know that we're there when they need us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, so even sometimes, you know, if you're in a period of time where your kids don't want to be with you for a year or two, that doesn't mean that we should just go, well, the kids aren't going to hang out anyway. So why don't we just go, you know, do whatever? Um, well, there's a part of that. We need our own time too, but I think the kids need to know that it's a safe place and you're there when they need you. Yeah. You, um, when you were raising kids, like when they were young, is it about, the wife, the husband first, kids are second, kids are first, you know, each other is second. Do you not delineate that? I, I have a, th a thought on this myself, but I'm curious where, I mean, you're the couple's couple. Is that the right word? You're the couple couple. So Definitely couples first, in my opinion. They, Your kids leave. Like I said before, they're there. They're just there with you for a period of time. Um, so I think the focus on the relationship needs to be first and foremost, and then the kids. And so we've always prioritized date nights. We've always prioritized trips together alone. Um, and it's hard to do when they're little because there's so much guilt of like, I'm leaving them, but your kids actually need you to leave too. Yeah. It's good to have it's that true. space. Yeah. Um, and we think it's all about us and they just want us all the time, but really they need that space from us too. So for, from my perspective, it's couples, your, this relationship first, um, and then your kids. Yeah. And I love just circling back to you leaving your event. Mm. 
there's so many bullshit stories that we tell ourselves. Like when, when we had our kids, when that kid turned one and Kara was a breastfeeder, which I'm not advocating for or against that, but she breastfed our kids. When those kids turned one, grandma flew in and we went on a trip mm. without that kid. And I, you know, I see or hear people all the time that, you know, won't take trips as couples because the kids and because this and because that there's so many excuses. Like you had a million excuses to not fly home on Saturday. Right, right, right. Sure. And I love just on the way here, I was having a conversation, you know, there's only so many like true intimate relationships that we can actually have in our life. Mm -hmm. And you and your wife it like, that is the center. That is the pinpoint. And one of our mentors always says, if everything's okay at blah, 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 12th street, Dominican Republic, mm -hmm. then all will be well in the world. Yeah. And that starts with you and your wife. True. And then it goes to the kids. And when you talk about that, like we can only have so many real relationships. I look, I, I saw this as like a circle and then there's your secondary circle. And then the third and the people that you're leaving on Sunday, mm -hmm. We might actually think that they're our secondary circle, but they're probably your third circle. And Kara said something like, if you go down the road 10 years, the people that you're walking away from on Sunday, yeah, and right. if anybody's listening, like I'm not trying to downplay how no, important no, no, you no, are no. in Jamie's right. world, but yeah. <laughs> um, those people, you know, if you go down the road 10 years, like maybe one, two, five of those might still be in your world and they're going to be anyway. Yep. And you're still going to have a huge impact on your life. But your son will never forget. I know. Even weeks out, right? I thought of that. Like, you know, even in three, like, I feel bad leaving this event, whatever. But in two weeks, three weeks, a month, right? I'm not going to feel bad anymore, right? It mm -hmm. will have been gone. But what I, what I will have is the ability to have said I was there. I, I got that, like, I'll, I'll, even a, a month from now, like you said, a lifetime for, for, for sure. But even in a month, mm -hmm. like, I know the guilt or the story that I'm telling myself that I shouldn't because of whatever leave this event is going to dissipate very quickly. Yeah. But flip it around, if I didn't go to my kid's thing, I would hold that guilt for a long, long time. Why didn't I? I should have. I, that was mm -hmm. so stupid. You know, not again. Yeah. Right? So, no, that's a great Well, and point. it's easier to reinforce those patterns, too. Because yeah. if you do it once, then, yeah, you go through that guilt process. But then, and really, your son might not actually remember this particular one. Mm -hmm. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But it's the it's it's you being present that is really the overarching thing that really matters in the long run. And when we fall into these patterns, like it's easy, if you say it no once, then it's easy to say no twice and three times and five times. And so really like back to, I think you and your wife is the number one relationship when that gets out of balance. And again, the bullshit stories, like you have to travel as a couple, you have to do it. You have to have date night or Kara talks about this a lot. We actually had a couple in our first year couples mastermind that couldn't do date night legitimately. There's sports. There's all these things. We get it. Go on a coffee date. They would go on a coffee date once a week. Like it doesn't have to be in this box that we think it is, but be intentional about it. Yeah. Makes sense. You two ever go through a period where, uh, I mean, you, you know, you're married a long time. Uh, did you go through your, your turbulent period apart where like, ah, this thing got strained. Maybe it wasn't like, you know, existential to the relationship, but as close as could be to existential or has it been, have you, because of communication and everything has it been pretty solid. I mean, we definitely have had, I don't want to paint us as a perfect couple because we have had many well, seasons, sure, sure. <laughs> many seasons where it's been rocky and hard. Um, I think mostly it was balancing work, life. Uh, for, for you or for him or for you insisting that he does or he insisting that you do? Probably me insisting that he does. When we first opened our business, yeah. mostly, like 
it's easy to be consumed by our career, our business, especially if you're a business owner. Sure. So easy to be consumed by that. And just we were young. We didn't know. So I think that season was pretty hard um, for us of just like balancing, figuring out like what, how do we work this? Like what does this feel like? How do we make sure we're taking care of our business but we're also taking care of our family, taking care of our relationship, which is the most important so that everything else doesn't fall apart. And I think that comes back to that vision. Like, what do you really want your life to look like? And and that comes back to communication and then the check-in points again. Because when we started our business, I was 23 when we first started talking about it, 24 when we actually opened it. And I was working out of town like 100 plus hours a week. Kara's pregnant with our third kid. We have two little boys at home. This is not, this is not what we had talked about. Mm. But I'm working for somebody else. I was a wage slave, right? Um, come home Sunday have a meal, wash clothes, go back. We actually had somebody living with us that was like helping her. Um, but I'm like, I'm the absent father. Mm. This is not what we had like envisioned. I'm like my dad, except right. not on drugs and not alcoholic yeah. and, and different addiction, not 15 women. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank so, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like, so I think that's the important thing is like, what did we sign up for? Yeah. And then having those check-in points because when we launched our business, I literally thought, well, if I'm going to work 90 hours a week, like I might as well do it for myself. So even that point in time, when we launched that business, like it wasn't, I didn't know then what I know now. It wasn't like, Hey, we should start a business so I can work 35 hours a week and, you know, have EOS in place and have a leadership team. And I was just like, I'm a wage slave to someone else. If we're going to do this, we might as well do it for ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, going into it with that like perspective. And when she said insisting, she was always very like, not nagging, insisting. Like it's just check-in points. Like, hey, is this really what, is this, is this, are we living the life that we really wanted? Like, is this making sense? And there's two real times where like I got out of balance with the business. By the way, the business, it's not linear. Mm -hmm. There's like freaking huge peaks and huge valleys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And number one, we're made for this, but man, those valleys are really tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And nobody sees like what, no, no, no. I nobody know. sees that. Right. And if we're not communicating through that, um, it's, it's, it's really challenging. And yeah. you know, there's been a couple of times when she said insist where she's like, Hey, this isn't what we signed up for. So I think those are important conversations. And I would just encourage anybody listening. Like if you find yourself resisting the conversation, why? Yeah. Cause who gets to decide what our life looks like? We did. Mm-hmm. And if we're in alignment around that, then I shouldn't be resisting anything. Yeah. But if we're not clear on what that should look like, that's where the resistance comes in. And on the same page too. Sure. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the part I think I've said this before, and I don't know if it's the right way to put it, but it's like, um, I feel like we've been married four times, my wife and I, right? Like, I think, I think like, I think a relationship over a long term, any relationship, but especially a marriage where it's, you know, this, this, uh, this partnership with other lives that are built out of your, your DNA, you know, like this crazy relationship. Mm -hmm. If it's going to sustain uh, for any length of time in a healthy way, it's going to have to die for the new relationship to form. Because like you're, you know, at 24, my wife was 24 when we got married. I was 30. Like we were two very different people then. Yes. Right. Like, you know, at, at, and we, we found common ground, but then, you know, she got to be a 30 year old. I'm a 36. I'm career focused. She's becoming a mom, right? Like it's a different dynamic in the relationship so it has to sort of like where we what we vowed the days that we made our vows together we were very different people mm -hmm. so you're growing you know in these in these in your own way 
and somehow staying together because I think, you know, you have to kill a version of your marriage, like not hold somebody to the standard of the day we were married. This is who you were and you're changed now. It's like, yes, they're different now. So how do we adapt overall? Um, So for 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 you now working with couples. Is that is that part of what you see? I, mean, I don't know. Are the couples that are coming to you struggling? I'm assuming there's some struggle in the communication, in the relationship or whatever. But like, what do you see as the breakdown with couples? Is it that? Is it that they've just they're anchoring into a version of themselves they once were and they're not they're not adapting and adjusting? Or is it something different? I love I love that you brought up even the the different people, because I think that's something we really focus on is what stage we're in Um and we're for sure not the same people. And mm-hmm. like you said, diff- di- uh, who's it? Esther Perel? It says mm-hmm. you'll be married to three people. Trying to get her on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. You'll be married to three people in your life. The question is if, if it will be to the same person. And so I think allowing grace um, during those periods of time and just thinking back of our own story of, you know, me saying you saying I wasn't like nagging. But it was like check in points and then allowing grace during the periods where maybe you are in a valley and there is go- going to be. He is going to be having to work more. That's okay, too, as long as we're communicating about it. And as long as we know there's an end goal, we're doing this for a season, and I'm supporting it, it's when we're not communicating about that, and then I'm getting upset because I don't understand, right? So communicating about all areas of our lives together, and I think that that's the thing we see with couples the most is he's doing his thing, I'm doing my thing. And there's no communication of I'm not getting into his world and he's not getting into my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't say we work with couples that struggle. Um, we're pretty focused on couples who are doing pretty well because we're not marriage counselors. Sure. Um, that's we don't want to do marriage ther- therapy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we want to support the family unit because there's so much that can happen and you could do so much more when the family unit and the and the couple in general is supported and feels uplifted. But I think that that's one of the things. I mean, there's a couple that I can think of, but it's that you're going 75 miles an hour in two different directions and there's no oneness in that. And there's, it's like, you do your thing, I do my thing, and then we'll have dinner together Mm -hmm. instead of me coming into his world and seeing how I can support him in that. And then him coming into my world and aligning with what I have going on. And then that's where we become one. Yeah. And I'll say, I, there's, there's two things that I think we really focus on that if you just did these two things, you don't need us. Um, number one, create an environment where you get away together or have some kind of intentional connection, whether that's, you know, a group call, whether that's a trip we take, whatever it is. So if you can do that on your own, you don't need to be part of that. And then number two, it's community. Mm-hmm. So intentional connection time with each other. And then the second most important part is I think as couples, we need community to learn from other couples mm-hmm. about relationships and parenting and advice. And so if you can do those two things and be consistent with it, then don't even look us up and and you don't need. So like Kara says, it's not really about counseling or, you know, fixing a marriage that's a three and getting ready to fall off a cliff. It's like just creating intention around how do we become better as a couple and then learn the tools from other couples that we need in order to be better. And I think, again, it's just those little check-in points and, and really, if there's one thing, it's just creating the vision of what you want that life to really look like. Kara when we sold our business in 2014, the main reason why we sold that business was because in 2012, Kara said, and you asked a question earlier that made me think about this. Kara said, so it's 2012. Um, she said, when our youngest graduates, I want to take a year off and reconnect. Mm. So in my brain, like I've got a hundred employees, I've got this big business. I'm looking forward 10 years to when our daughter graduates. And I'm like, there's no way I can take a year off. Mm-hmm. 
And what she was, what you guys were talking about earlier was just like making sure that we keep that, that relationship, the priority, because those kids are going to be gone. And what Kara was really saying is when we're done raising our children, which is probably the largest honor that we've had in our life, other than being married to each other. Um, she wants to reconnect that phase two that you were talking about. Yeah. We're in a new season. We need to get reconnected, remarried. She saw that in 2012, right. looking forward to 2022, which was last year. Mm -hmm. But I'm sitting here looking, Jamie, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to take a year off my partner. I actually went to my partner after that conversation and I said, hey, we need to hire a general manager because I'm thinking 10 years down the road. Sure, sure. Yeah. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> that was like his. So I knew we were not aligned in the long run. And that literally set us up to go down a road where two years later we sold our business and we're not even thinking about that. But that's the importance of vision. She had a vision where when our kids are gone, we need to spend some time and reconnect. Simple as that, right? It's, I love that. It really we're take is. a year off. Like people, I, you have vision. I even get to this. It's got to be this grandiose three page outline and document and, you know, vivid vision with graphics and everything. But it's so like when I quit my job, my vision was really travel three months with my family anywhere we want to go. I mean, it's a sentence, right? That was the vision. That, I mean, there's other parts of it, but that was it. And then all of a sudden we did it. You're talking about, you know, I want to take a year off. Simple when the kids graduate, take a year off when the kids graduate. So yeah, it's sort of like you, you, the simpler the statement, the more you set intention behind it and anchor into it, the more likely it is to manifest and it spurred action in you. Did you take the year though? We did not. That's what's interesting is I think not getting so hung up on what that, because the visions might change, right? Sure. sure. Yeah. It's a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. But I think if I, if we wouldn't have had that vision, we wouldn't be where we are today. There's we would still probably be really stuck in a business, yep. being a slave to that business. Not that we don't have a business now, but being a slave to that business rather than, oh, what are the other options out there? Because it was our first business. So, you know, we didn't know yeah. what else was possible. Well, that's it, right? Like take a year mm -hmm. off, probably look more like, well, no, no, if this is business, yep. it's go, 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 go. I just don't want that. Yep. And so I'm assuming you've designed with uh, the mastermind and the other businesses you have. Like, I know you, you've elevated more to more visionary and you have people, you know, working. It's just from our conversation. We just haven't had a chance to talk about this stuff, but working on the business where you don't have to. So is that sort of the, the, um, the true enlightened manifestation of what a maybe more naive, if I can use that word, yeah. vision was back in 2012 is that it's like, well, we didn't take a year off. Like we do nothing for a year, but our life is designed in such a way that we do whatever the fuck we want when we want to do it anyway. So we're rolling. Yes, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I think you nailed it. Like we're living that life now. We don't need to necessarily take a year off. We don't need a vacation from our lives because we're it, it's incorporated in our lives now. Yeah. And there's so many people that are unhappy in their job. They're unhappy in their business. We always want what somebody else has. Like there's so many business owners that have a great business and, and they think they want to sell their business in order to go invest in real estate. Cause what they're really looking for, they think that passive investing is, and their business is the problem. And in reality, they're just looking for a certain type of freedom, like you said. Yeah. And so I think what's important with that. And I love, I love that you kind of pulled it out because she said, let's take a year off. Well, when we got to 2022 and our daughter graduated, like, do we want to take a year off? No. And so being able to like understand what is it that we're really looking for, because most people think it's a number, like some monetary figure. If I could just get to, you know, a hundred thousand dollars of passive income a year, it'd be game over for me. No, it wouldn't because then you'd want 200. Yeah. Or if I could just get to, you know, $10 million net worth, it'd be game over. No, it wouldn't, because that's not actually what we're really looking for. Yeah. It's lifestyle design. And so checking in on what was Kara really saying? We started having kids at a very early age, our entire adult career or life, not career, our entire <laughs> adult life has been raising children and running businesses. And she was, she was 
dreaming, visioning. What I want my life to look like is not to have to be stuck in this business and, and stuck raising. You nailed it. Like being able to travel. And so when we actually got there, I said, Hey, this was last year. I'm like, we should take the summer off. And Kara made a comment. She said, Caton's still home. And Caton, like, actually, this was like 2021. I think we were talking about this. And Caton's still with us. And Caton wouldn't want to take the summer off. She doesn't want to be away from her friends, blah, blah, blah. And Kara said, I, I don't really want to take a full summer off right now. Hmm. Now, if you look at the Kara in 2012, like she wanted to take a year off. If you look <laughs> at the Kara in 2021, going into 2022, she doesn't want to spend the last summer potentially with our daughter gone because she knew our daughter wouldn't go. So you have to give yourself grace around the execution of what it is you really want and be able to adjust with those goals. This is such an, so in Emerge, we've, I, I did this post recently. Um, Emerge is like the, the precursor to go abundance. So like, Hey, I want to get to that level. So, you know, that's kind of my, the community that I've built. Um, I put this post up. It was like, Hey, what's the pillar the go abundance pillar that you feel like you're crushing it in. What's the one that you're struggling in? And there were, I don't know, 40 responses. And there was all, all different uh, answers for what they're crushing it in relationships or health or whatever, but like all but one on the, what I'm, what I'm struggling in is horizontal income. Um, and it was just this like very clear. And I, I think it ties, I know it ties into what you guys are talking about. It was this very clear sense of it. So I, I think there's a myth around, you know, horizontal income being achievable without, vertical income without active income, right? Like somehow, like I got 50 grand, how do I turn this into, mm -hmm. I can invest this and turn it into something that pays me and I don't have to ever work again. It's like in 2012, you're in a, you're in a job. I mean, you got a business, but it's a job, right? You're grinding at it. You probably liked it, but it wasn't maybe the, it didn't provide the lifestyle that you truly, truly wanted. Right. So I would rather, and I've said this, like I might change the pillar from horizontal income and emerge to like fulfilling vertical income. Cause that's, I feel like that's where you are. I want to take a year off means I don't want to be in the grind of day-to-day -day work business, W2, whatever it might be like you were at that point to now it's like, all right, but we make money hanging out with cool couples, right? Our businesses pay us and we don't have to be actively involved in them, right? There's, there's time spent for you in the couple's mastermind. There's time spent with these people, right? But like I make, we make it, we make a living or somewhat, you know, it's a stream of income for us. It's something we love doing. So it's, it is taking a year off in the context of that. Right. So I, I think people aligning themselves with, I'm going to make money and change, exchange some time for it. it doesn't have to be standard, like eight to five Monday through Friday, but I want to put an investment of me into something that makes me money that I just fucking love. And it doesn't feel like anything other than what I would want to do anyway. If nobody was paying me, if I did, he gave me a hundred million dollars, I would still do this. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's the. In Emerge, that's the thing I'm trying to pivot to. In fact, our Chicago event in the fall is going to be around this topic because I want to I kind of pivot there. But I feel like that's essentially what you're saying, right? Like, I don't want to take the summer off. Like, I don't need to. We're, we're, we're loving what we do. We're, we're enjoying what we do. We would do it for free. But, you know, there's an. I think there's a reason why people should pay to be in these things. It, it makes them engage in everything. But it is a business and it's a, it's a stream of income that you would do anyway. So it is like taking a year off. Am I off on this? No, I don't think so. But I think, you know, Sometimes I think we can get so focused on it has to be so much fun, you know, it has to be this sexy thing when we're True. having businesses and there's something to be said of becoming a master at something and that being your golden egg. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like plumbing and HVAC was our first business and I was pretty involved in it, but I was not excited about that. You know, I wasn't excited about plumbing or HVAC, but I loved that it was getting us to that point. So I think, you know, just reminding people that there is a season where you do have to maybe put in some work for yeah. things that aren't, you know, your passion. 
I don't think your passion always has to be your career. Mm, I like that. And I love that we're talking about this because GoBundance has done so many amazing things for me. The one thing that every, every single, not every single person, but most of the people in GoBundance, um, they, they built a successful business or W2, whatever. All right, make it a good living. Yeah. Yeah. And for us, 2005, 2006, I'm at a consulting event and they're really challenging us of, of a three-day event with a consultant I worked with. It's called Profit Launch. So we're doing the vision for the business for the next year. They really challenged us. My coach made the comment. He said, if your business isn't helping you achieve your personal goals, you just own a job. Mm. And you've said this a couple of times in the thread. So they forced us in pre-planning. So we started this in October and the event was in January. They forced us to sit down and go through a workbook if money and time wasn't an issue, what would your life look like? Where would you live? Where would you have houses? What, what, you know, what would all these things be? Nothing to do with the business. Day one was all about just kind of crafting your personal goals in life. And what do you want that to look like? So we sat down and our goal was one income producing property a year for 10 years. Mm. That was like, that was like our, you know, dream scenario, because I'm sitting here running this business at the age of 25, 26. And I'm thinking I'm going to be 65 years old, still running this business, plumbing and heating, nothing sexy. I was in this for the long game, man. I wasn't like, oh, I'm in and out in 10 years and I'm going to, you know, have a portfolio of real estate. And I wasn't thinking about passive income. So we set a goal, two income producing properties a year, 10 years, 20 houses. And I thought by the time I'm 65, I'll have 20 houses paid for mm. and I'll retire. Our capacity to vision is only within the constraints of where we currently are and who we currently are. And that's why we have to continue to grow. But we came back, bought two, two houses that year, and then we ended up buying a mobile home park the next year, all by accident. Mm -hmm. The reason why I'm saying all this, you fast forward to 2014, and we sell that business through a series. We couldn't have planned, we couldn't have mapped all this out. We were not even, you know, back to emerge. Like these guys, you don't even know who you're going to be in two years right. or five years or 10 years. <laughs> so true. And this is why we always said yes to our kids too, because the universe always says yes to us if we're in the right frame of mind and we're moving toward a better version of ourselves in a bigger picture. But I couldn't have even planned this life. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly asking, like, if you go back 10 years and think about you then and what you wanted, is your life better or worse than what you could have imagined? And most people that I talk to say better. Better, yeah. Because like, if we're just constantly evolving and growing, that's just how it works. And so when we sold that business in 2014, we had 45 single families, five mobile home parks, three commercial buildings. And I've often said that was the best and worst day of my life. Why? Because I lost my purpose. I lost my passion. I was Mike, the plumber plumb line was me. Like I was this business guy that like was going to do this till I'm 65. And that whole vision that I had built was like, you know, run the best plumbing and HVAC company that you could possibly build. And actually, even in 2011, I was just looking back at my journal again the other day. In 2011, I wanted to expand that vision out already. Like in 2011, I was like, I want to go buy a hundred of these companies. I was like thinking about the profit and CNBC. And so I had this vision of like building something bigger than me. And then I sold it. Mm. And I was like, there goes that. Yeah. And I had this idea of like, well, you know, if I just had 20 properties, then it'd be game over. And so like Esther Perel said, when you're talking about like marrying different seasons and versions of your wife, there's different seasons and versions of us as individuals too, that we can't, we have to be really careful. And I'll circle back to what I was saying with GoBundance because most of the people in GoBundance have been successful in business or investing. And now we're like so focused on horizontal income that that becomes the new game. But then when we're talking to these young up and comers, if I look back, I wasn't focused on horizontal income. Mm -hmm. I was focused on becoming 
the best version of me for the life that Karen and I wanted. And it wasn't about money, Jamie. It was never about money. Mm -hmm. We need money and it has to be about money at the end of the day, but that was not the focus. So I lost my purpose. I lost my passion, but I think we've done, you know, like when you're talking about emerge, I think so. I love that you're thinking about shifting that horizontal conversation because horizontal income should be passive. It should be something we're not really thinking about. Right, right, right. Yep. But we shift the energy to like, we have so many people that I talk to on a daily basis, literally almost every day that are so focused on passive income when they have $5,000 in savings. I know. And I'm like, we missed, I love what, this is what kind of sent me on this because Kara was talking about putting in the hard work, like whether it's your W2 job or whether it's a business you're owning, like go all in on that and be the best at it. Because as you said earlier, we need that foundation of income and capital in order to build our passive. Mm-hmm. And I looked at passive income as a 40-year game for me. Yeah. Not like, oh God, by next year, I have to have $150,000 of passive income so I can quit my job. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. And you and I see people doing this all the time. Yep. But you know, maybe it's five or 10% of people that can actually accomplish that. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe we need to give a little bit of grace back to like, I say that I didn't quit my job on passive income. I quit my job on fulfilling vertical. I mm-hmm. went from something mm-hmm. that made me a lot of money. I stacked some away, stashed some away, stacked some, whatever, stashed some away that could sustain me if need be. I had something I'm running toward, whether, you know, emerge and then it became quantum, all these different things I'm doing, which I do need to consolidate, but uh, I had something I'm running toward. Uh, and a kind of a bet on me. And then it was like, wow, I, I, I do. I feel this sense of purpose from this. And, you know, I see the business around it. I'm sure like where, where you are now with the couples mastermind. And oh, I was going to say last night I had dinner with a couple of guys. You made a point I wanted to emphasize. And I haven't seen this, but it makes so much sense. If you follow Alex Hormozzi, most people do in the world. It feels like nowadays the guy's blown up. But he made this point that like you shouldn't be thinking about um, – you shouldn't be thinking about investing, like other than, you know, put money away in a retirement, or whatever, right? Like just kind of systematize some sort of, invest. but you shouldn't be thinking about like, like the, the passive income streams and building that until you make like 800 grand a year mm-hmm. vertically. And I was like, that's a big number. Why 800? But the point was simply like, until you get to, like, you need to focus all of your energy on making as much money as you can for you. And only focus on making money passively when it makes it makes financial sense for you to focus on the money making money, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't try to do them both at the same time. Like, go all in on this and make your money. Make your money. Drive forward. So maybe it's not 800 grand, 200 grand, 500 grand, whatever the amount is. But, like, go make your money. Like you said, it may not be your passion in the beginning, but make the money. And then there's going to be a point at which that money starts to go into things where it actually – I it makes no sense for me to be focusing my time on money anymore – like the the real value the 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 what's the the velocity of money is now gained not from my time but from my money mm-hmm. so now I pivot I love that point I don't know if that lands with either yes. of you if that makes sense absolutely yeah yeah so, I totally agree the the one so. thing I'll say that I think about a lot is at that point in time money is the product mm-hmm. mm, right. so instead of selling plumbing services or instead of you know buying rentals or whatever when you're at the point where you're comfortable and I don't like you said I don't know if that's 200 400 800 it's different for different people yep. but if your number if you're making 200,000 a year and you're not comfortable losing 50,000 of that mm-hmm. potentially then then it's not really at the point where money is the product correct right and yeah. and that's really where how I simplify it in my brain when money becomes the product for you that's when you're truly ready to go be a passive investor I'd until then like the product is something else. It could be online. It could be a mastermind. It could be a, a you know plumbing business. It could be a laundry. Whatever it is, career. Yeah, mm-hmm. this I yeah, yeah. I, I love that because I think we also get in our echo chambers of like W two bad, uh, business good. Yeah, 
passive investing better. I think unfulfilling W-2 is what's bad sustained. 100%. Like you said, there's times when you're going to go, and even in your in a W-2 that you love, there's going to be the boss, the, the, the system, the new process, the whatever, that's going to suck for a little bit. But to me, that's the more of it. Like people, like my whole thing, you know, you have to be somewhat, uh, you, have to, you have to be somewhat polarizing in the social media world, sure. like fucking quit your job, corporate, but you know, but really what it is, is it's like, if you're miserable, there are other W-2s you can do. Right. That may not be like, oh, my God, it's my full purpose, but it could feel a hell of a lot better to be doing something that you truly love. I thought about that before I left my job. I was a claims claims executive. So my job was, you know, uh, somebody sues our insured, the person that we're insuring. And, you know, my my organization's job was to make sure that we optimize the payment that goes out and handle the lawsuit and all of that good stuff. Stab me with a knife like that. It's just boring fucking work. It made me a lot of money, but it's boring work. This big company had a real estate department. I thought about that. It would be a step down, a step back, but it probably would have been a lot of fun, right? To be in the real estate department of this company. Like that, that option is out there. If it's like, here's a topic I love. It's a 50,000 person company. There's all these different things. Go do that, right? So I, I agree with you. Like, or, or whoever said W-2 is not the enemy, but unfulfilling W-2 can definitely drain you after a certain amount of time. Oh, yeah. So. And I think that's where it's important to really get the vision for yourself, for your yourself as a like a couple, just, you know, circling back to that because there's so many people, there was a couple in the first year mastermind. Yeah. He is a high earning W2 at like a huge tech company. Um, she was a teacher was, um, they joined the couple's mastermind because he'd been following me for a while and he thought he wanted to quit his job and go into real estate investing. Well, by the end of year, by the end of that year, it was actually the second year couples by the end of last year, he loves his job mm. and like doubled down, found a renewed energy around his career and they bought a $6 million marina in um, M- Mississippi. Wow. So like he realized that he didn't want to be like a passive, he doesn't hate his career, mm-hmm. but it's just like getting people together and like the vision I think is what's important. And I think we speak to a lot of visionaries yeah. that like, like you said, miserable, like shoot me in the head. Mm-hmm. That's a very unique individual that like, you know, wants to quit that job. You said this, you didn't quit your job on passive income. No, right. You quit your job to go build out mm-hmm. like your empire. You had a very clear vision. Yep. And the thing that I would just challenge everybody is like, whether it's individual or a couple, like just get clear on that vision. What, what does that life design really look like? Because that's going to tell you whether you're in the current vehicle or the current vehicle that you're in is going to be able to get you there or not. And so I love, Kara actually had a dream when we started our first business and in the dream, because we needed to name the business. It was like the last step in getting the contractor's license done. We didn't have a name for the business. And like God came to her in a dream and like, but anyway, uh, scripture talked about like despising, not the day of small beginnings and um, gave her the name and all this stuff. But that's the thing. Don't despise the day of small beginnings because it might be your current situation that gets you to where you need to to be. Mm -hmm. You just got to get clear on that vision so that you're anchored on the vision and not so much. I hate my life. Is it avoidable? You said about like, you know, you sold the businesses now, you know, you had this vision to buy a hundred of them. You sold the business. Now your purpose is gone. Is, is size of vision the way to avoid that from happening along the way? Or is it unavoidable that you're going to, you're going to, um, have moments that, that actually change the direction of your life or that, that like purpose goes along with it and you have to create a new vision. I'm, I'm kind of curious how, how does vision play into it for however who wants to take that? Well, I, I'm going to say something small and then you can go off on that one. But I think asking ourselves the question of who am I mm. without success and all the accolades? Um, I think that's such a powerful question because I think we wrap up our identity in our career or if you're a mom and yeah. being a mom, whatever that is. Who are you when we remove those things? 
Um, I think that's the first place to start because you're going to have transitions can in you, life. Can you real quick, when, can you give me some, just like, what are some words that, that like when I hear, who are you? I do think of role. Mm-hmm. So what are some words that you would, you would say like as thought joggers yeah. like for who are you? Is it, you know, an infinite being or yeah. is it, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a communicator. Like what are some words if you don't mind? Yeah. So I actually got this question from my friend Aisha. So I'm stealing this from her, but her way of um, asking this is ask your friends, ask people close, closest to you. Who, who am I besides my career? Who am I to you? Um, so for somebody, somebody like me that I would describe as I'm a very loving person. When you're around Kara, you're going to feel accepted. You're going to feel loved. So it's identifying the more of those kinds of things. But so I think if you don't really know who you are without your career, without, um, you know, your success, ask the people closest to you sure. who you are to them without any of the success things. Cause most Mike's not looking at me and I mean, he does re- love that I'm a great mom and that I'm good in- and has a nice butt, <laughs> but has. I mean, that's your words, not mine. I'm not saying that, but yeah, yeah. Um, like, I'm either insulting you or I, there's, I'm, there's no win for me. Here, but you're good. You're good. Get this man a shovel. <laughs> um, but he's not looking at me and my friends aren't looking at me of, oh, Kara has sold so, such and such or Kara owns this much real estate. That's not why they're impressed with me. That's not why they're, why we're impressed with who you are. You know, it's not because you have made this amazing podcast, which is amazing because it's impacting people, but it's who you are as a person at your core. And I think that's one of the first ways of just figuring out who we are without all of the social accolades. How do you build on that then? So, all right. So I, I love what you said. You go to some people and they say, ah, oh, you're just, you're just this, you know, you're this energetic spirit. You're loving, mm-hmm. you're kind. It's like, okay, now how do I take that? and create an aligned vision or how do I take that and map a life or point myself in the direction of like, how do I take loving kind soul as who I am without the accolades and then convert that into something tangible? Yes. So I don't, I think that they're separate, but also related. I think you, you have to still set the vision. Like I'm still, just because I know that I'm a loving person doesn't mean I'm not going to set goals in my business. Sure. Not going to set that, set that vision. But if everything were to be taken away, I think that's the key is every if everything's taken away, who are you? Mm. Where, what is your identity strong in, mm. right? Um, we say this all the time. If we lost everything, we still have each other. We still have our family. I could go live in an apartment. We have another friend that says, I could eat what? ramen. Ramen's pretty good, my right? said that to me. When I left my job, my wife said that. She's like, we get a two-bedroom apartment. Like, who gives a shit? I mean, other than, you know, ego, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. But continue, sorry. Yeah, so I think, but I do think what you're saying, setting a vision and designing the life that we want is super important as well. So we have some friends that, you know, he said, Rob and Kim Murgatroff, they, they literally sat down. They were shooting for all these goals, these number goals. And they were like, is this the life that we really want? And they were, they had this dream of moving to Italy Mm. and they just did it. They realized they didn't need as much money as they were chasing and they just did it. They shifted their life. They moved their family to Italy. Things have definitely changed for them, but they're so happy. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the numbers and we get caught up in what that looks like on the outside rather than what's fulfilling on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Lifestyle design over, over, Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, or li- like lifestyle freedom versus financial freedom, right? There's, I mean, you, you know, you, you go for the second one, of course, because it, you know, we live in a world where money matters. Um, but you're right. I, I, we found that even moving the DR, like it wasn't as comp- complicated um, 
I mean, it is more expensive than I thought just from a standpoint of like you think of the DR, like, oh, you can live over $18 a month, right? It's a cheap country. No, not where we live, at least. But right. um, but we're doing it, right? Like it's, it's, not, it's not as complex as a, a concept as maybe you thought it might be. But I want to dig in a little more here. So is 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 the business vision part mutually exclusive then from who you are? I'm, I'm still I'm still missing that part. Go ahead. You're, you're shaking your head. I, I want to say something first on like just even back to being a yes parent versus a no parent. Mm. We are so programmed for no that even going to Italy, like we want to live in Italy. We want to live in the Dominican Republic. Our brain automatically says no. no. Yeah. Like it's so does everybody around you. Yeah. yeah. And it's like that's why <laughs> I think anyway, that's yeah. why I think programming our children for yes is like I actually put a video up about this the other day on YouTube and I don't get a lot of haters, but like I got a lot of hate on this because they're like spoiled rotten brats, like trust fund babies. Like I get the premise. Mm. And by the way, if you think that, what I'm not talking about is creating spoiled brats. I'm talking about reprogramming ourselves for yes. So anyway, I wanted to just say that, but I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. And I, so Mike, the plumber, Yeah, this is why it was the best and worst day of my life. Because I woke up literally, we went to dinner with some friends and one friend said to another friend, like Mike's done. He exited his company today. And he looked at me and he's like celebrating. And he's like, you're done. You effer like, and I'm just like, I'm not feeling the excitement, man. I'm just not. And if you talk to anybody, I didn't have, you know, a, you talk to people that have like hundred million dollar exits, billion dollar exits, crickets, Yeah. what they thought. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a business exit. Yeah. Anybody that's listening, think about a major goal you had in your life. And when you hit that goal and then you woke up the next day and here we go again. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Yeah. And so the thing I'll get, so you're, no, mute, you're great, man. Keep going. Yeah. The, the thing about it, when I, I was Mike, the plumber, and then I'm like spending the next few years, like now what? When I actually launched my podcast in 2020, Investing for Freedom, it was through a series of this questioning. And I had been working with a consultant on the capital raising side. And he kept telling me like, Mike, you need to have a brand. This is all I could hear at that point in time. He's like, you need to have a brand. You need to have an identity that's outside of Mike, the plumber, Mike, the mobile home park guy, you know, Jamie, the insurance guy, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever you identify as whether it's your business W2 career or whatever, he kept telling me, you need to have an identity outside of that. You need to build a brand outside of that. I didn't get it. And then I woke up one day from a dream in like 2018, 2019. And I'm like, there's a day coming where, you know, I spent 10 years building this plumbing and HVAC business, best and worst day of my life because I didn't have an identity. Then, you know, I went to real estate guys mastermind, tried to figure out how to do real estate. And then I start buying mobile home parks and there's a day coming where I'm going to exit mobile home parks. And what I realize is I'm asset agnostic. Like, I don't really care if it's plumbing, the product, mobile home parks are the product, couples masterminds, the product or money's the product. Like we were talking earlier with passive income. I am asset agnostic, but we find our identities in whatever we're slinging that day. Like I'm, I'm selling plumbing, I'm selling courses, I'm selling when in reality, it has nothing to do with any of that. That is awesome. And and I'll circle back to what Kara was saying, because I think this is really important. Um, so I actually, that's how I met Chris Harder. And we actually, she told me in, in 2019, she said, I think we should join Chris Harder's mastermind. I didn't know who Chris Harder was. We were talking about him a little bit offline and I'm watching some of his content, never even seen this guy. And I looked at her and I'm like, why would I, why would we join his mastermind? Cause I'm in the mode of like brick and mortar business guy. Right. Mm. But then all of a sudden it clicked for me. I need to build a brand and I'm going to go, I'm going to pull this together with who is Mike. Mike, you're, Mike you're, you're doing way better than I think you realize. Like you're, you're, Keep going. Yes. Because 
a lot of times we think of this from an external perspective. I'm like, I need to build my identity. I need to build my brand so that people know who Mike is, because if Mike is a plumber and then a mobile home park guy and then whatever, those things follow me, mm. those stereotypes, those identities, the things that we place on it. The first question we ask everybody, Jamie is like, Oh, what do you do? Mm. Who freaking cares? What motivates you? What drives you? What would Kara say about you? That was the question you were kind of getting at. And yeah. I want to, I want to anchor on what she was saying, because it doesn't really matter if, you know, Mike's a plumber. That's not who Mike is. Mike is somebody that will challenge you. Mm. Mike is somebody that will see the best in you. Like he'll pull out, this is why I'm a good business owner. And it's also why, you know, I'm good at running masterminds and, and I'll challenge you mm -hmm. whether you work for me, I want the best in you. If you're a part of my leadership team, I want you to be the best version of who you are. The guy that was on a call on the way here, like I don't really even know this guy, but he calls me every six months or whatever. And I spend 45 minutes just like pulling the best of him out because Mike is a challenger. Mm. He sees more in you than you'll probably ever see in yourself. And that's what makes me a good business owner. It's what makes me good at masterminds. But at the end of the day, mm. when I shifted to, okay, so we did join Chris's mastermind yep. and it took me a minute to figure out. I actually went back to Kara a couple of days later. I said, I'm joining his mastermind. And she's like, not without me. So we joined <laughs> his mastermind because we needed to learn. I launched my podcast in 2020 and I knew I needed somebody to teach me podcast online marketing, branding, so that I could take who Mike is and, and turn that into more of a, and I'm going to just say this, like a brand and an identity, but not because I want to just go out and be an influencer, but because it doesn't matter if I'm starting a plumbing company, a mobile home park company, a couple's mastermind, whatever. If you don't have an audience that knows who you are mm -hmm. and what drives and motivates you, then every time you exit a business or every time you leave a W-2 job, it's going to be really hard for you to reinvent yourself. But if you live who you are on a daily basis and you show up as that version of you, which Kara said, I mean, she's a loving mother. She's a loving friend. She'll challenge some of the same words, but like you can't leave Kara's presence as a female asking a question about like, hey, how do I be a better mom, a better business owner, a better investor without her challenging just pulling greatness out of you. I love that. And so when we talk about those words, I know it's like this ethereal thing. Okay, well, great. Jamie's, you know, Jamie, you're a challenger. Mm -hmm. Like every time I'm with you, you're like freaking, I leave that conversation. Even if you, even if it's not exactly what you say, I leave that conversation feeling like I can take on the world mm, because wow. of the questions and, and that you just challenge me in a way, even if you're just telling me a story about what happened, I'm like, oh my God, he just did that. Like that relates to me this way. And so really who we are in our essence, not like I'm the spiritual being, like you were saying, but like, you know, um, mining that out of us is super important. Yeah. 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 Um, and then building a brand and an identity around that, because some people are going to spend their whole life in one business. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. That was my goal. Yeah. But I realized that, you know what, the timeline's getting shortened 10 years, five years. I might get in and out of a business in one year. I definitely don't want to build a brand around, you know, I'm the laundromat king. <laughs> I can see the commercials though. Yeah. With you with the crown on. That, that means so much. So uh, it's almost like this disorganized board of what we're talking about, what you do, who you are, what your identity is, what your, what your purpose is, all of these things. And I, I've used these different phrases for myself. Like I, you know, if I, if I were to give myself a purpose statement, I think, not, I think I feel as though uh, it's to inspire and motivate others to live their best life. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose I feel like I have. And I feel the most lit up when a situation. I just went to dinner with these two guys last night. They were emerge graduates to go abundance. They've never met before emerge. And they're like, we're besties. Now they just both moved to Austin. You know, it's like they they said, it, they're like, none of this happens if we didn't mm -hmm. find mm -hmm. you. Right. And mm -hmm. find this community. That, 
lit up completely. You know, I could just feel the ease in me on that. Like, that's what I'm here for, right? That's what I'm meant to do, meant to be, if you will. But at the same time, you know, when I get asked, especially now, like at the airport, like I, we had a delay coming here and people are like, oh, what do you do? And I, I tend to, okay, well, how do I explain what I do so that it's practical? Because I'm like, oh, I kind of do all these different things. I don't want to say I'm an entrepreneur. I just think that feels weird because it's so broad. So I would say I'm in real estate because it's the easiest, most practical thing for other people I feel like to digest. But I don't like saying it. For me, I love doing this. This is what I love to do, podcast. But so now I've converted that. Now I'm just saying I'm a podcaster and, it, and it's weird initially, but it's empowering for me. But I've told the story before where it's like, you know, when I was 15, 16, I wanted to be a sports commentator, a sports broadcaster, right? Because I love seeing and then interpreting stories for other people to be inspired by, right? Kind of all linking together. And I've said this, but you've just made it like, wow, that's a lot of wisdom in what I said. Like podcasting is just the medium right now that allows me to live the gift that I feel like I have the most. Like, I don't know what it's going to be in 15 years, some AI generated chip that I press and, you know, something comes in. Who knows, right? Like, I don't know yeah. what the next medium is. Back yeah. then I thought it was, I had to be an NFL broadcaster in the booth telling the story of an NFL game. That's the only way yeah. to leverage this gift. So when I wasn't that, when I gave that up, I did feel like this sense of identity dying, me dying or yeah. a part of me that was unfulfilled. So I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm piecing all of what, like you said, you're a challenger just by going through that statement, Mike, I'm piecing this together to say what I'm hearing is, you know, um, what you do is obviously, you know, the, the, the thing that in society we, we can all relate to. Cause if you were to say, what do you do to somebody at an airport? Like, doesn't matter. I'm a beautiful person. Yeah. Right? You'd be like, all right, fucking yeah. weird. I'm going to walk away from yeah. this guy. What do you do? You know, somebody yeah. else. But, but it's, it's understanding internally, I guess, from what we're you know talking about is that, yeah, this is what I do because it's what allows me. It's the thing in reality that allows me to, you know, take this thing that I am spiritually or internally or this sense of who I am to express it. But understanding that you're agnostic, I can, I could, it could be something else tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Am I, am I capturing this well? Yeah. Well, I think you're doing is just a reflection of your being, of mm. who you are, right? So whatever you're doing is just a reflection of that. But the real thing is the core of who you are. But that's how our society is, is explaining you're right. Like it would be weird if I was like, I'm a loving person when somebody asked me that, you know, my answer is different all the time. When people ask me what I do, it depends on how much I want to talk. Right. Yeah. yeah right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Let me ask this question. This might be, can, so if you're doing a lot of different things and you're doing and doing, can that impact your being in a negative way? Hmm. That's a good question. You know what I mean? Like yeah. does it confuse your being? I think so. Because I find if I'm going in a bunch of different directions, which I kind of feel like I am right now. I'm like, oh, well, which one should I focus most of my energy on? Yeah. I think we're multifaceted people, so I don't think we can only do one thing, but sure. I think having a focus of what's the main thing right now. You know, that whole thing, the one thing book, like yeah, chase yeah, two yeah. rabbits, how many are you going to catch? Yeah. Um, so I think, yes, I think we need to be focused solely on one thing, but I do think we can have other things as well. And I think it's in our nature, especially as visionaries. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, there's, different people listening, but it's in our nature to think because we have success in one area that we can continue to have success in many areas at the same time. Mm. And I think this just goes back to, I've tabled a few things that, you know, you and I've probably even talked about them where I said, you know what, drawn a line in the sand. I'm not doing this, this, and this. I refuse to allow myself to do this for nine months mm. or unless this changes, I'm not doing that because as a visionary, um, Again, I have a level of success and I just think I can keep, but the reality is like, until you can reproduce me, 
Yeah. You can't reproduce that success. And it doesn't have to be exactly me, but you know, whether it's an integrate, we have to just change the way that we grow around it. And so I think being cognizant of how much can we truly um, get done if we're spread between four or five different initiatives. Mm. And, you know, I found myself recently um, just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing these few things because I was doing too much. I love that. The next level mastermind, next level couples mastermind. That's the name of it, right? I'm not forgetting that. Right? Okay. How was that born? I think it was born out of a need that we both um, were seeking. I would go to events with him and men would come up and be like, how do you get her to come to this? Mm. And I'd be like, what do you mean? Do you, have you invited your wife? Like I was very confused by that. But then I was in like a lot of women's circles and the women were asking me like, how do I get my husband to be on board with growth with me. And it's really hard to go to an event yeah. and come home and share what you experienced. I don't know if you've ever yeah. went through that, but- Oh, 100%. Like it, just, it sounds ridiculous to people sometimes. Your life is completely changed. It's like going to a comedy show and then trying to duplicate the, the, the joke that was the funniest thing in the world to you. Like it just doesn't, Yeah, you can't. Go ahead. They're I'm like, sorry. ha ha, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you come home from these life-changing events, you're completely changed to your partner in life and try to explain it to them. And it just doesn't, it doesn't transfer. So I think, you know, we really saw a need that where there's a place where you can come together as a couple. It doesn't mean like he still goes to things by himself. I still go to things by myself. But I think the fact that we go to something together, we do some things together and we know what that experience is. So now when he comes home from a life-changing experience, I know what that feels like. But if you've never been to something like that, if you've never been a part of a community yourself, it's really hard to transfer that. So I think that there's just a place, what we desired is a place where couples can come together and have that transformation together so that when you go to your separate things, it also comes together easily. I love that. And Kara was interested in business. Kara's interested in, not was, is, and is interested in real estate. She's interested in investing. That's why she would come to events with me. Sure. Um, not every husband or wife is, we're not interested in the same things. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think we need to, you know, delineate. Cause we heard this so many times, like, I wish my wife would just, oh, yeah. you know, take an interest in this because I'm interested in it. Well, there, I will never invite Kara elk hunting. Like it's not going to happen. You elk hunt? I love elk hunt. I didn't know that. You're like a little um, Rogan. I love this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just like, I would not even put that on her mm. yet because we're so passionate about real estate investing or, you know, a technology conference or whatever. Like, God, I wish she would just, you know, li- she doesn't care. Right. She doesn't care about elk hunting. And I know that's an extreme example, but like, also I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to, you know, some of the masterminds and conferences that she's interested in. So I think as a couple, whether it's a couple's mastermind or whatever it is, like we need to stop, like, you know, talking about what we're not aligned around and start finding what we are aligned around. And I think, you know, there's one thing that I think every couple needs to get aligned around and that's connecting, having fun together, traveling yeah. and, and learning to, you know, just have deeper connections with, we just need that. I'm curious from both your perspective. I want to hear more about next level. And I want you to, I want you to talk about it because I know it's impacted. I know couples that have been impacted by it um, without mentioning their names. Right. But um, this is an interesting point and I'm, I'm curious, you've started to touch on it. Maybe you want to dive in on this Kara. but um, I talked to a lot of guys that would say, yeah, I wish my wife would get on board, 
with what I'm doing, yes. But even more than that, even people that are maybe thinking about like a GoBundance or joining something like this, like my wife is really skeptical about this whole world, like, you know, uh, uh, like a cult or whatever the hell it might be, right? I don't know. How do you, how do you, you know, if, if you're talking to a guy who's saying, I want to do something like next level or go abundance or whatever the case may be, but my wife is, well, next level is different as a couple's thing, but you get my point. My wife is just like, she comes from a world of you get a job, you know, you make money. So me even being an entrepreneur is like a big stretch for her. So, you know, uh, to have a conversation with my wife about me going somewhere for, you know, an event, like that's a year out type of discussion. And I know it's going to create friction. I don't know. Is there is there a, a a thought or a conversation point that you would have with that person that could help them? Well, I think like inviting them into some kind of growth place with you. I think it seems scary because it's it's almost like a pulling away from what you've been doing. So it feels scary to that person that's you know you're being led. Whoever's wanting to do this, they're being led by change, right? Like they're mm. they're they know that there's something more. So true. But the spouse isn't feeling that yet. So how do we invite them along on that journey and not in a demeaning way or a, how I'm going to rock our. How do you though? How do you do it? How do you do it? So, that, cause like I could see a guy going, my wife is just gonna be like, no. So how Really? You, yeah. Okay. Um, I think, go ahead. If you have something. Well, sorry. I don't mean, I'm just, no, you're good. Really I, curious. I think this is really important. And I have a scenario that I think I, I want you to talk about. Um, it's like the love languages. So, if mine's physical touch, then I love her in physical touch, even though hers is gifts, right? Or words of affirmation or acts of service. Sorry. That's her main one. Every guy in I feel yeah. like every guy is physical touch. And yeah, I don't think it's actually physical touch. I just think that they no, no, like, like to be touched. Well, <laughs> I definitely like sex. And, sex. And, and that's why, I got, that's that's why, why all guys. guys. No, but I, th I think mine's actually physical touch. Like I, cause I just, yeah. I do too. And words of affirmation. Yeah. And then for my wife, it's acts of service and, um, quality time. Yeah. Hers is definitely acts of service. Um, but I think it's the same thing. We're trying to invite someone into our world, mm. like come physical touch me. So I think the important, <laughs> I think that's, I kind of wanted to just draw a parallel that I think everybody would understand because I think what we try to do, I think the thing that's really important, if I had to get to the punchline, yeah. don't ever invite your wife or your husband to their first mastermind community cult, whatever it is <laughs> yeah. um, that they're going to hate. Yeah. Mm. Like make sure that you take them to something that, like they, that you actually, you have to really know them mm. because if you bring them to something that they're just, they're going to hate every minute of it, yeah. just because you love it doesn't mean they're actually going to like it. That's a great point. And so I'm thinking of, um, your friend that lives in Wyoming, that her husband, like she really wants to join our couples mastermind, but she took her husband to some other thing and it was not good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right of like discerning what what would interest them. I think another thing too is don't invite them to something you're really involved in. Mm. Find something that you both can go to something new yeah. that you're both beginners in because it can be intimidating for me even today. Like, I mean, I'm confident enough in myself, but if I go to an event with him and he knows everybody and everybody knows him, I feel very awkward yeah. kind of just standing next to him. Whereas if you both go somewhere new and enter a new, I think that's something that we've done really well is joined a lot of things together that was new. So we were both kind of like, oh, what are we doing here? And I think that creates a space for them to be able to grow into that because really it's just personal development, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's creating a hunger in them for more. Mm. Like I think that you have more and then calling out the gifts that you see in them too, because everybody has gifts. Everybody has their own unique 
ness in them. So if you if you're wanting to do something, what are the gifts that are inside of her or inside of him that you can start calling out and then go research and find events, find masterminds, find communities that you can join where you can both enter that and then it's just going to create then th- th- that's when she's going to feel safe. Yeah. Or he's going to feel safe in that environment and able to that'll create that bug inside of them or not. There's always going to be those times though where maybe they aren't going to want to. Mm. And I think that's really important too. I think it's better <laughs> when you can grow together, but also maybe they're just unwilling to change and we can't control somebody else as we, as you know, you know, in a marriage, especially we only can control ourselves. So if that is the case, just loving them for who they are, mm-hmm. but then having enough guts to do it for yourself, no matter what. Wow. And, and I think every couple should do something together. Mm-hmm whatever that is. And so I, I think I, I love what Kara's saying about just, you know, finding that thing. The other thing I'll say too, though, whether it's a husband or a wife, because if there's women listening to this, there, there's a good chance that maybe their husband is, you mm-hmm. know, the, um, if you are going to bring your wife, just piggybacking on what Kara said, like if I know everybody in a certain room and I've been there for three years, if I know that I want my wife to be involved in that community, that community should know my wife ahead of time. That's true. Like I should, and I think Kara might attest to this, but when Kara shows up at a GoBundance conversation or meets a GoBundance guy, they're like, man, I've heard a lot about you. Mm. Um, It it brings her in. By the way, part of that social media and podcasts and, you know, it always makes it easier too if you have a brand built, which is a lesson not just for marriage, but not just for communities, but for business. But again, like if you know that you're going to bring your wife into a community, Mm help that community know her ahead of time to, to welcome her. That's a mistake I, I didn't, that's a mistake I made up front. I was so excited to join like GoBundance. I was like, hey, they got this wives program. You should jump into that. And she's like, all right, chill. Like yeah. have your boys club, leave me the fuck alone kind <laughs> of thing. And like a year later, she joined it. She joined the wives community. So on her own did what I should have done, which was, you know, introduce her, not like what you just described. But once she joined the wives community, uh, three months later, she, the boys, my two sons and a nanny all came to Steamboat to an event, right? Um, she went to two different wives, uh, go wives events in the last two years. She didn't go this year, but she went the last two years, right? Like, so to your point, she got sort of an introduction to this community in her own way, which then brought her in on, on the rest of it. And she wasn't against me. She's like, no, I think it's great for you. She understands the concept. She's very supportive of me joining anyway. But when I, you know, my hyper energy like it's so great you should do this you know she, yeah. right, just back away back away i know you joined it i'm excited for you but leave me out of it until she found her way but i didn't make that introduction she found her way and it worked out the same way so yeah interesting. well and the this is a horrible term but we've heard it so many times the trailing husband or the trailing spouse yeah yeah wife whatever they're like a drug addict mm. um and like what i was talking about earlier like really it doesn't matter what i want for my wife or my husband it doesn't matter what we want for our drug addict child, like yeah. until they're ready. So I think just not putting that pressure on them. Yeah. We found GoBundance or whatever mastermind we're in on our own time. Mm-hmm. And I love what you're saying. Like they have to find that on their own time too. But I think what's great about what Kara was saying about finding something you can do together. That's the least intrusive way to do it. Mm-hmm. Find something you can work on your marriage, your relationship together. I love that. Talk about next level a little bit. I, first off, and I think I've told you this before, but I'll say it here. When we spoke in Tahoe, maybe it was when you were just starting this. Like I remember, I got so many lessons from that conversation. I remember the website was like kajabi.net slash whatever. Like you didn't even have a URL, but you had a website, right? Like I remember that. Like wow, you can just 
do that. You could, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. So that was one lesson. The second was this, and I've said this, I've actually written newsletters about this, that uh, the FAQ of you is a, is a business, right? What people ask you all the time about, like there's an opportunity for you to serve in that, in that regard, create a business around it or whatever. So those are lessons I took from just sitting down with you for three hours at lunch that day or whatever it was and just picking your brain on everything. So I love, I love, love, love what you did. I love how you did it. I'm inspired by the entire concept, everything from from how it was conceptualized to the execution to what you're doing now and the pivots you've made and everything else. So some awareness of it, but what does it look like now? So when we, you first started, it was like, we're going to have no more than 10 couples. You know, we're going to do, we're going to do two events a year. Uh, we're going to have monthly calls. I'm just kind of like, what's the, what is it morphed to now that you're going on year three? Yes. This is, are you in the middle of year three? Yep. Got it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. So you're right. We were, you know, 10 couples was our max and we got five couples yep. the first year and quickly realized what we were building at that time. We, it needed to be five couples. We couldn't have done. We wanted it to be very intimate. You know, it's a year long together. Yeah. We're staying in Airbnbs, you know, high end places. So that changed really quickly. 10 but, couples that feels intimate, but maybe now you're like, oh my God, five is like yeah. stretching the boundaries of intimacy. Yeah. Five gotcha. felt really good. Six with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but five felt really, really good. And I think you could do it with 10, but that just felt good for the year long mastermind. But I think one of the things that we've learned is there's everybody needs this, mm. like more couples, there needs to be more. And I think we're seeing it a little bit. You know, you see Grant Cardone doing a couples thing. There's a lot of people offering this because I think couples are craving more connection. So, you know, we were limiting to these five couples a year that we could spend time with. The It's a higher ticket amount. So, mm. you know, price is a thing. And then also we would stay at really, really nice places. We'd travel. So travel is also a commitment. So we thought, well, how do we impact more people, right? Like how do we impact more marriages? Because we believe that if you can hit the home, then your business is going to be better. Your family life's going to be better. Um, you're going to raise better children, right? Like it, it just expands from yeah. if that's good. So that's what something that we really strongly believe at. So this year we've expanded it to a larger community. Um, it's an online platform. So, you know, it's not in person always, but we are going to do in-person things. I'll let you touch on that part. Wow. Yeah. So with with the five couples, the way that looked was two trips a year. And then in between, we would have monthly phone calls. Yep. We'd bring in a speaker and then Karen and I would do, um, sometimes we'd lead that. And then we'd do one-on-one coaching. I'd do one-on-one with the guys. She'd do one-on-one with the you girls. You mean one-on-one in each one or one on the five guys? Uh, one-on-one. Individual. One-on-one. Individual. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So when we started looking at that, it's like the trips are amazing. But really the connection with those couples, yes, they happen on trips, but then also like those monthly calls. In fact, your next guest and his wife spoke um, in in our couple's mastermind in year one or two. Um, So we bring in these speakers, right? And then we just started looking at it, like how do we impact more? And it's the online community that she's talking about. Mm. And I think there's this inherent belief in us, like we're just tired of Zoom or tired of online communities, Mm. but we all want community. And the reality is like that virtual, that monthly call has been powerful. We've seen major change. And so we decided to launch the online community. We just did the first launch with it. There's some amazing couples in there. And this is something we're really going to double down on. We'll probably open it up, you know, maybe once or twice a year. But that online community is a monthly rolling fee. It's month to month. It's not a huge commitment. And then we're going to do an annual trip where if you're in the virtual community, then you get access to that trip. Gotcha. And then we're going to do an annual event in November and then keep doing the five couple. um, Wow. Do you have the spots picked out or no? Yeah. Where? The, um, are you allowed to say? Yeah. The, 
So if you're in the virtual community, well, let me just say this. We're, <laughs> we're thinking Costa Rica right now, but we might call an audible because we found an amazing place that might be even better. Amazing country or an amazing place in Costa Rica that might an be better? An amazing than... different country. Ah, yeah. Dominican Republic. Uh, that's That would be a good spot. <laughs> that would be a good we spot. We rented, a, I did this mastermind down there called the Midlife Entrepreneur Mastermind. We rented this insane nine bedroom house for the weekend. It was like 20 grand, 23 grand, I think it was, but it included personal chef, butler, you know, transportation back and forth in the airport. Unbelievable. So the space that you're in, I mean, that was so much fun. Just a three day weekend going deep with these people who are looking yeah. to change their lives. Like I did enjoy that, but you're right. The, the online does get like, that's the, that's like the habits, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the event is almost like, you know, you know how they say like habits have that big payoff. Like those, those, those online interactions are really like the, the grounding piece. And then, yeah, the, the event is the, wow, what a beautiful place or whatever. So yeah. not willing to say what country? Well, we, we might actually do it at Ariel BVI. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Big time. Yeah. Can you get the whole island? Yeah. Yep. 14, 14 chateaus? Uh, we can actually go a little bit more. How many do they have? Um, I think 16. We can sleep 16 couples if, wow. if you take like every- Did you go to the, the one? Yeah. The, the GoBundance one? Um, we went with just some friends. Oh, was yeah. it amazing? Oh, amazing. Phenomenal. It looks incredible. Yeah. yeah. An incredible story. Phenomenal. With, uh, what's her name? Brittany? Yeah. 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 If we can't get Ariel this year, we'll do it next year for sure. But yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. All right. Taking enough of your time. How do people learn more about you guys? The Mike Ayala wife, Kara, <laughs> or the Kara Ayala. I don't know. Where, <laughs> where yeah. can people learn more about you? Yeah. You Instagram. I'm the Mike Ayala. She's... Kara underscore Ayala. Yeah. It's probably the best place. Yeah. I have a podcast, Investing for Freedom. What, she, about, the, what about the couples mastermind? How do people get on a wait list or whatever? Nextlevelcouple.com. You actually got a URL? Got a URL? Yeah. <laughs> we did. We upgraded. I think when you're starting out, you just like, you just, it's messy, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, well, but that's what you're talking to Emerge about, right? Yeah. I wasn't on that first session, but that's what I, when I talked to him about coming in and talking about wealth, I said, man, session one has to be, you know, like the, the mess that you create, like just yeah. go ready, fire, aim. I think yeah. I called it, or we called it right. Yeah. Ready, fire, aim. You just got to go. But, um, again, that's what I, I, I learned that from you literally like, oh, and that's the revelation moving into a go bundle, especially when you're a W2 guy looking to maybe pivot. It's like, oh, these guys have it all buttoned up. And it's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> most don't. In fact, none do. They right. just go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. They have an idea. They have the, the, the guys and gals, whatever, but in GoBundance specifically, they have the idea, they have the intention, they have, you know, some grit and they just roll with it. So, well, and that's one of my favorite sayings. I mean, just say yes and figure it out later yeah. because again, say yes. Yeah. Like we're, we're so programmed for finite and no. I love it. Thank you both for coming in. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs>